Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Kei te whakaronga mai koe ki tō tātou au horihori. Hei hōtaka e pānaki a papa tuanuku, tangaroa, meirangi nui. I'm Alison Balance with your weekly dose of New Zealand science from our changing world. And now, using the power of light to make the invisible visible. That's what Michelle Nevote does. She's a researcher in the Photon Factory in the School of Chemical Sciences at the University of Auckland. And she tells me how she works on everything from milk to works of art. My job is to try and extract the information in materials, information about the molecules themselves, using light. So we basically use light to extract that information, and then we use data analysis methods called chemometrics, which is a way of taking a whole bunch of data and extracting the information from that data. And what we're hoping to do is to uncover hidden information about these materials in this picture that we record. So what kind of materials are you working with? Because light interacts with this matter and we can measure signals from this, we can look at a variety. So we've been working on with the art gallery, for example, here in Auckland, looking at paints, paint fragments, understanding why art materials or why paints deteriorate, why paint flakes off of paintings. We've even applied... um, our method to look at to determine whether a painting's a fake or not. So we can tell a lot about the, the materials inside the art materials. And then the other extreme is looking at biological materials. For example, human tissue or skin tissue, um, and also polymers and geological materials, minerals, fluid inclusions. So it's got a wide application. Yeah. That's to cover just about everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So what happens if someone at the art gallery comes to you with a question and they go, "Mm, not sure whether this is the real thing or whether it's a fake, what do you do? Fortunately, the method that we use is non-invasive and non-destructive. So if the painting is not too humongous, they can bring it along, and they have done sometimes. And we can put the painting as it is on our microscope stage, and we can focus some light onto it, and we can analyse a tiny one to two micron area, so that's a very tiny one thousandth of a millimetre area, and look at different parts of this art material. So if they, for example, say, we're not sure that this is a fake or not, so we'd say, okay, when did you expect it to be painted? We sort of find out more of what materials we could perhaps identify and look for. We actually managed to identify a fake Lindauer because Lindauer painted only at a... He ceased painting it around 1918, 1920, And before that, all the white pigments in paints were mostly lead carbonates, whereas this painting had titanium dioxide, and that was only used after 1941. So using this way, we can probe these molecules and say, hang on, that's not lead carbonate, that's titanium dioxide. It must be a fake. So, yeah, that kind of example. How do you tell the difference between two things then? So what is it about your technique that can let you say, ah, this is A and not B? So molecules are always vibrating, 
at room temperature, you'll see that if you had to sort of zoom in onto a molecule, you'd see that it was undergoing a whole bunch of movements at the same time and stretching, bending, rotating. And those vibrations, there'll be a set of them, and they'll be occurring at a specific frequency. And that frequency is determined by the atoms in the molecule and how they're bonded together. So the set of frequencies that a molecule vibrates at is determined by what that molecule is made of and how it's put together. And so we can measure those frequencies by letting it interact with light, and that's how we determine what it is and how it's behaving. Okay, so molecule A might just be more jiggly and always jiggle in this particular kind of frequency compared to the other one. Exactly. And that can tell us even, for example, if you have some things of the same composition. So say, for example, with titanium dioxide, which is a white pigment used in paint, you can get different crystal forms of this material. And because they're in a different crystal form, the molecules are arranged differently. And so the energy environment is different. And because of that, they will interact with light differently. So if you had to analyze the actual elements in this, you'd say, well, it has titanium and it has oxygen. But if we look at the molecules' vibrations, we can say that is a rutile form of titanium dioxide, and this is the anatase phase. So you can actually identify different forms or polymorphs of these materials. So you said you use it to also help you find hidden properties in something. Can you give me an example of that field that you're working in at the moment? So an exciting project that I've been working on for a while is the Milk Fingerprinting Project. And this is in uh, partnership with the Primary Growth Partnership Program, which is with Fonterra. And they would like to see whether they can use light to probe their milk and say, what hidden qualities have we got in our milk that one normally wouldn't uh, find? Um, using the normal analysis method. So routinely, Fonterra tests their milk. So they will have a truck that will collect milk from the farm, and when this truck collects milk, they collect two vials of milk. And these two vials are sent off to Milk Test New Zealand, and this is from all over the country. They're RF tagged. One of those vials will be used for testing for bugs, etc., and the other will be used for testing for fat, protein, lactose. And this is done routinely. And the testing of the fat, lactose, protein, etc., is done using infrared spectroscopy because it's such a quick method and it's pretty accurate. But what they would like to now do is can we find information about the types of protein in the, in the milk or the types of fat? Because if the types of proteins in milk, you don't just get a protein, you get alpha lacts. So globulin, uh, beta-lactoglobulin, alpha-lactaldebin, you get the caseins, you get different forms. And each of these would have properties that would be better for making cheese, for example. So if you change the relative or amounts of these proteins, how does it affect the milk? Some fatty acids are really healthy and may be desirable to have more of those in milk. And this is linked to what the cow eats. So if we can analyse the information in this milk, then we can perhaps get healthier milk because New Zealand's milk is quite unique um, compared to the rest of the world. Most of our cows are pasture fed and that does have an effect on the quality of the milk. So what I've been working on is taking these infrared spectra that have been measured and using uh, data analysis methods or chemometrics to try and extract from, the, from this data information about these minor components, the variations. 
And so that's an example of yeah, how we would use this information to, to get more information or the hidden information in milk that we don't know yet. And then Fonterra and the farmers might be able to relate that back to, gosh, those cows were feeding on this particular crop. Exactly. So that's we the liked idea. the effect of that, so maybe we'll do that more often. Precisely. Yes, and perhaps even get some more information about the health of the cows or, you know, the, 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 this breed of cow has this particular kind of milk or because this cow lives in this part of New Zealand, it has this particular quality. Or, so there's a lot of factors that affect the milk and sort of how much can we learn about that using spectroscopy. You can get a lot of information by analysing your milk in a laboratory, but it's very time-consuming and it's very expensive, and you have to, it takes a long time to do this. So whereas spectroscopy, you can record a spectrum in about a minute or less, and you can get a lot of information from that. The trick is to be able to extract that information in an accurate way. Yeah. So is this part of the Milk on a Disc project that I've heard about? So the Milk on a Disc project is kind of branched off from this the concept was designed by David Williams and Kather Simpson. And so they came up with this idea of analysing or getting information out of milk for each individual cow as opposed to taking a sample that comes from the vat of milk and analysing this. Now you can actually get information from each cow. Milk's one important primary product for us. Wool is another one. Could you do something with wool using the same technique? You totally could. If there were properties in wool that you wanted to find that, say, the lanolin content or the type of proteins, I guess, in the wool, you could totally use this, this method, yes. Uh, I'm sure that's a good, good idea. <laughs> what are you working on now? We've just received an MBIE Smart Ideas Award to develop a handheld device that we can use spectroscopy with to instantly determine whether we have melanoma or skin lesions on your skin. And the idea is to be able to have this device and point it on your skin at a lesion and get an answer which says this is benign, this is melanoma, this is non-melanoma skin cancer. Just started working on that, which is super exciting. What's your time frame? I mean, it sounds great. I'd like it sooner rather than later. It's, it's just starting. It's a three-year funded project, um, and so the aim is to get this going. And the lead scientist on this is Kather Simpson. Um, I'll be doing a lot, most of the research, um, and we have a really cool team of dermatologists, plastic surgeon. We have a hepatobiliaric surgeon as well, and then we have a commercial partner, Pacific Channel. So are you being given a whole lot of samples of things where the, the, the experts will go, this is a melanoma, this is this kind of skin cancer, so that you've got a library to, to look at to see how they all vibrate differently? Precisely. So we have our clinicians on our team who will be able to identify these and we will apply the spectroscopy to that and then we'll connect the two and build up uh, algorithms to be able to characterise what we see. And part of the key of this will be making something small and portable? Yes, the idea is to have it handheld, which is a challenge. Thanks, Michelle. Michelle Nevote is in the Photon Factory at the University of Auckland. Hey there, I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on the 8th of February 2018. 
We are on the web at any hour of the day or night and you can find us at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld as well as on the wonderful RNZ app. On Twitter and Facebook we are RNZ Science. If you haven't already subscribed to RNZ Our Changing World, the podcast, well, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes and Radio Public. If you've already rated or reviewed us, thanks heaps. We really appreciate it. Another long-running podcast series, which you might like, although I suppose it's really a long walking series, is The Long Way Home, in which Bruce Hopkins shares his journey along Te Araroa Trail from Cape Rianga to Stewart Island. That's The Long Way Home, available from all the usual podcast places. Thanks for listening right to the end, which we've just arrived at. Ka kite anō. Bye for now.